Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The Eric Erickson Show. The phone number is 877-973-7425. You know, I've been telling everybody lately just because I think it's important. Uh, if you text the word show to 33777, you can get links to the podcast, uh, Google, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher. You get the 24-7 live stream link and you get the daily stack of stuff uh, link to my daily email. Uh, the daily email is important because in addition to what you get uh, that I write in the morning, you also get uh, my midday stack of stuff. All the stuff we talk about on the show comes to you in an email. All the links, you can see them for yourself. Uh, and you get show clips, you get exclusive interviews, all that sort of stuff by subscribing. So text the word show to 33777. Now, I got to begin with a difficult topic. It should not be a difficult topic except for the age that we live in. And to do this, I've got to be a little bit repetitious from where I was yesterday. We must actually go in the Wayback Machine to 1374. It was an outbreak of St. Vitus's dance. St. Vitus is the saint of dancers. Back in 1374, groups of people, thousands at a time, started dancing uncontrollably. Now, some scientists think they actually had a medical condition. But a lot of people think it was something called a mass psychogenic illness or a social contagion. It continued for days. People throughout Europe, not just in an isolated location, it spread through Europe. Sometimes for weeks, sometimes for months. Some people reportedly danced until they died. Some had heart attacks. Some broke bones. One written account described people as united by one common delusion, said James Fowler, professor of medical genetics and political science. The dancers seemed to hallucinate and lose control of their senses. To this day, nobody really knows how many there were. But experts like James Fowler of the University of California believe the 14th century dancing outbreak was an early example of a social contagion. Yeah, so you know how, in fact, I, when I was <laughs> when I was in college, a buddy of mine said, if you want to know how a girl is interested in you, if you're at a bar or something and you think a girl's looking at you, yawn. Because if you yawn, the person who's paying attention to you is going to yawn. And if she's paying attention to you, she's going to yawn. There's there. <laughs> Laughter as well can be contagious, which you may all be doing right now. But manic dancing could be as well. Now, some believe that the St. Vitus dance was a, a condi medical condition called uh, Sydenham Korea named after the doctor who discovered it. It resembles manic dancing and that people lose control of their um, of their neurological abilities and, and make these weird jerking movements of their face, arms, legs, hands. It's caused by an infection, uh, the same bacteria that causes rheumatic fever. But uh, given how it spread, there are a lot of people who actually think it was mass hysteria. In 1962, in Tanzania, an outbreak of laughter started among schoolgirls. They couldn't stop laughing. They couldn't stop it. It was impossible to stop it. The, the Tanganyika laughter epidemic occurred in villages on the west coast of Lake Victoria. It affected 14 different schools and over 1,000 people. 
on the morning of Thursday, October 7th, 1965, at a girls' school in Blackburn, England, girls started complaining about dizziness. Some fainted. Within a couple of hours, 85 girls from the school were rushed to nearby hospitals after fainting. Symptoms included swooning, moaning, chattering of teeth. It appeared to be a mass psychosis. In 2011, at Leroy Junior Senior High School in upstate New York, multiple students began suffering from Tourette's syndrome. They ruled out everything, uh, drinking water contamination, illegal drugs, carbon monoxide poisoning, environmentals, others. It appeared to be a mass psychogenic illness. It's the same with the Salem witch trials. The girls really appeared to be in some way abused. People believed it. They acted possessed. People really believed these things. The mind is a powerful weapon. I would argue that the West is undergoing another mass psychogenic illness, another social, a social contagion, and it has spread mostly through the elite, mostly through the people with too much time on their hands. Mostly through people who should know better, but in the name of being liked and not a hater, they really can't accept what's going on. They have gotten a mass psychogenic illness. The 21st century Western world suffers from this mass psychogenic illness, and they will not be told there's nothing. It's all in their head. They will not be told it's, it's, it's psychogenic. They will not be told it's a social contagion. Yesterday, Leah Thomas became a national champion. The University of Pennsylvania swimmer finished the 500-yard freestyle with a 433.24 and picked up victory. Thomas set a program record for the University of Pennsylvania. Thomas was three seconds off Georgia Tech's pool record, which was set by Leah Smith of Virginia in 2016. In the race, Thomas beat out Virginia freshman Emma Wyant by more than a second and Texas freshman Erica Sullivan by at least two seconds. Brooke Ford, who won a silver medal at the Olympics in Tokyo over the summer in the 200-meter freestyle, raced for Stanford and finished fourth. Thomas is the 22-year-old transgender athlete who was born a boy, went through puberty as a boy, went through high school as a boy, got into college as a boy and was not competitive and decided that he was a she and went for a year with hormone suppressants, apparently, maintains his biological reproductive sex organs for a boy and now competes with the women. And the elites of North America and the world are congratulating him, calling him a her and saying she's a female athlete. He's a female athlete. He's not biologically. He is a male. And even though he may have gone through a year, two years, three years, of hormone suppression. He didn't do it before puberty, at puberty, or even after puberty. He didn't do it for years. His body developed 
as a boy, as a man. Men and boys both beat women athletes. In fact, there's a website, boysversusvswomen.com, and it shows you the boys, high school boys versus Olympic women finalists. It's impressive. Let's go to the 400-meter freestyle. The 2016 high school boy finalists versus the 2016 Olympic women's finalists. If the boys for the U.S. 2016 high school finalists competed against the 2016 women, first, second, and third place would all go to boys. Fourth place went to a woman. Fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth place went to a boy. Ninth place went to a girl. Tenth place went to a boy. In the 100-meter backstroke, places one through eight went to boys. In the 200-meter freestyle, first through eighth went to boys. In virtually every scenario, the boys win the 200-meter backstroke, the 100-meter breaststroke, and on it goes. You can see these animations on this website. The 200-meter breaststroke, boys got one through seven and nine. A girl got eighth place. It goes on and on and on. Y'all, I'm sorry, but if you go through life as a boy and into adulthood and you're continuing to develop testosterone and then you take a couple of years, a year maybe, that's the requirement is a year, of hormone suppressant, you're not suddenly going to become a girl. It is not physically possible, nor are you going to lose all of your competitive strength. Leah Thomas, and I say Leah Thomas because he legally changed his name. Leah Thomas is 22 years old, is a male, and the world wants you to tell everyone else that he is a she. The world is suffering from a mass psychogenic illness. You are a bigot, a horrible person, a hater, if you refuse to go along with this. They will shut down your social media accounts. They will punish you. They will vilify you. They will come for you and try to take your job and cancel you for daring to speak the truth. Why? Why is that? A reporter I know who I'm, I'm friends with says, don't be a hater. We're, we're all God's creatures. And I replied to him and said, this isn't about hating. This is about truth. If we're all God's creatures, in the Hebrew scripture that are shared by Jews and Christians, and also, by the way, by Muslims, the story of Genesis, Muslims accept it. Do you know that in that first chapter of God creating, it uses the word bara for God creating? It's a very, very particular word. It means creating divinely. No one else can create that way. And it says that God created man, male and female, and it uses the word bara. It means that we ourselves can't do that. But you don't even have to go to faith. You just go to biology. And the problem is that as we dive into the social contagion rampant among Western elites, they want to reject the biology that they have planted, dug in their heels on for years. 
You know, it used to be that you could accept that there was the sex of someone was male or female and gender was a social construct, which even that is nonsense because gender was just a synonym for people not comfortable using the word sex. But then they said gender is a social construct. Sex is biological. Now they say that sex is a gender is a, is a construct as well. They demand that you use pronouns. They demand that you disembody and, and shake up the English language all for less than 1% of the entire population and that we sacrifice our girls, the actual women, to the social contagion. Feminism has advanced so far, men can now outperform women as women. I sleep well at night under bowl and branch sheets. And I need to tell you, my family, we were customers before I started endorsing them. It's what I like to do. I like to be familiar with the product and like it. And I love the Bull & Branch sheets. One of the reasons I love them is because they are super soft sheets. <laughs> got to say that word right. But they've got a little weight to them. So, so you feel somewhat more snuggled. Like I've got some uh, sheets I, that came with the new mattress and they're so light it's like there's nothing on top of you, and I can't sleep well with them because they're – I mean, it's just – and then they bunch up the the – man, the satiny soft feel of the Bull & Branch sheets, it makes a real big difference. Listen, you've got so many options out there right now. You can go to a department store. You have so many options, but there's no reason to because with Bull & Branch, you get high-quality sheets. They've got a great thread count. They're perfect. They've got plenty of color options. You sleep well under them because they're soft and they're durable and they've got a little bit of weight, the perfect amount of weight for a sheet. Now, I want you to go out there and order Bolin Branch sheets because they are comfortable. You got, I mean, they're environmentally friendly. They're built around sustainability, and you got quality that lasts. You know, a lot of the companies that advertise all the environmentally friendly stuff, their sheets don't last. I can tell you, my bowl and branch sheets have lasted a long time, and they get softer over time. Experience the best sheets you've ever felt at bowlandbranch.com. Get 15% off your first set of sheets when you use promo code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, at checkout. That's bowlandbranch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com. The promo code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K. Welcome back. It is Eric Erickson here. Programming note, if you're listening on WVOP down in Vidalia, I'm going to be down there this evening. I don't know that I'll be able to see anybody. Uh, my son has a soccer game. I got to get off of here at 3, uh, grab him and drive down there. Thankfully, the girls are playing first, I believe. So, uh, But I'll be down there uh, this evening. I'm looking forward to it. Vidalia, for those of you who don't know, if you've ever heard of the Vidalia Onion, Vidalia Onion, it's from Vidalia, Georgia. Uh, the the ground down there, the the sweet soil down there, just produces these marvelously sweet onions. They are my favorite. My gosh, when it is Vidalia onion season, I make some fantastic fried onion rings. In any event, I'll be down there. Uh, we we got other stuff that we got to talk about. The phone number, if you want to be on the program, eight seven seven nine seven three seven four two five. USA Today has the story. I meant to get to this yesterday, or yeah, yesterday, I guess it was, or the day before. A whole bunch of Disney employees have been arrested uh, in a human trafficking sting. Florida police arrested more than 100 people, including an alleged human trafficker and child predators. It's part of a six-day undercover human trafficking operation. Among the 108 people arrested, dubbed Operation March Sadness 2, or at least three Disney March Sadness too. Wow, uh, at least three Disney employees and a retired judge. 
The operation, which police began March 8th and released details about on Wednesday, targeted online prostitution advertisements with the intent to identify any trafficking victims being forced into prostitution. Tiffany Nash of Orlando, 32, was arrested for human trafficking plus deriving proceeds from prostitution and three drug charges after she arrived at a location to check on a woman she was threatening violence against if she did not prostitute herself. Three of the people involved worked at Disney. One of them worked as a lifeguard at the Polynesian Resort. Uh, Another worked as a software developer for Disney, and another worked at Cosmic Restaurant in Tomorrowland. Uh, Then another worked uh, had worked at IT for Disney and had retired. Uh, This comes as Disney employees are marching. They're leaving work every day to protest the CEO of Disney waiting too long to oppose the don't say gay so-called quote-unquote don't say gay measure in Florida that it turns out a majority of Americans support. Now, I, I, there's a side story here. Listen, I, 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 I'm not surprised by that, and, and we should spend some time on the human trafficking issue. But also, have you noticed, if you pay attention to the business wires, that the current CEO of Disney is getting inordinate hate? He's getting bad press. Bob Iger had been the president of Disney for a while. Bob Iger, you know, he's flirted with running for president before. He's a progressive Democrat. And he's flirted with running for president as some sort of moderate CEO. Remember, what's what's the guy's name? Howard Schultz or whatever, the, the CEO of Starbucks who did the same thing. Now, Iger has thought about it. But there, there are rumors circulating Hollywood that Iger may not like retirement and may want back and may be trying to sabotage the current CEO, who apparently he's at odds with anyway, and may be trying to sabotage him as so that he can come back as interim CEO and maybe just just rebound as the CEO. Uh, he, but he probably got out while the getting was good during COVID. Uh, Chapik, I think the guy's name is Bob Chapik, the current CEO, is from the park side of the business, and he's not a schmoozer. Most of Disney's business comes from Hollywood, and in Hollywood, you got to be able to schmooze, and Iger could, and this guy apparently is just rather matter-of-fact and gruff, and he's alienating people in Hollywood, allegedly. I'm just, I'm fascinated by the business dynamics there. I am. Um, with all the streaming services, Disney Plus has come on board. Bob Iger apparently tied some of his compensation to Disney Plus and was able to uh, negotiate favorable deals for himself at the expense of the CEO, who now seems to be regularly dragged through the press, including having employees staging walkouts at Disney for his uh, not being willing to try to stop the Florida education measure sooner. The politics there is fascinating. You know what? I, I want to shake things up a little bit, though, because when we come back, we should talk about um, human trafficking because, in large part, there are people on the left who I've talked about in this past hour, uh, mass psychogenic illness. There are people on the left who believe human trafficking is a moral panic, that people have flown into some sort of panic and mass hysteria about human trafficking that they see is no big deal. Like, for example, people on the left, pro-prostitution advocates, no less, are big zealots for advocating 
that um, all of this human trafficking nonsense, it's all just a moral panic and it's not really happening and it's overplayed and it's overstated. But that's not really the reality. It's not really the reality. And in light of the, this arrest uh, down in Florida involving these people from Disney, let's spend a little bit of time on this. It's one reason I ran for office. So when we come back, let's let's actually get the scoop on, get the data on, and I'll give you the numbers on human trafficking in the United States. I'm Eric Erickson. This is The Eric Erickson Show. Welcome back. It's Eric Erickson here, The Eric Erickson Show. Uh, the phone number is 877-973-973. 7425. So I, I should give you guys some background. If, if you're new listening, most of you listen for a while, you know this. I actually was an elected Republican official. I, worst, worst job in the world, by the way. There are people, they're called constituents, and they tend to be not bright. I mean, I think people are stupid in general. Individually, people are smart, but collectively, people are stupid. And my gosh, constituents could be whiny. I one time got a guy mad at me because his trash didn't get collected because he didn't roll it down like everyone knows to do. And he somehow expected that I, his city councilman, could instruct the public waste department to come back by and pick up his trash at his convenience. Absolutely not. One time on city council, we actually got into the, this big dispute over whether we should change the vendor for like paper products, toilet paper and paper towels and stuff at, at city hall because it would be cheaper if we went from someone else. But racial politics was huge down in Macon where I was in, in the middle of Georgia and some members of council didn't like it that we would be getting a better deal, but the people, the business would be a big business majority white. It, we wound up actually not doing it. We didn't have the votes to do it. Uh, it's just, it was bizarre. It was, it was like uh, $10,000 a year in a part-time job and it was full-time. It was miserable. And, and I got my job in radio and couldn't be on uh, an elected official at the same time. So I had to leave like, I think five months early. I was so glad to be done. I wasn't even going to run again. The only reason I ran for office though, the only reason I ran was human trafficking. I don't say that lightly or absurdly or trying to be ironic or anything. I'm, I'm deadly serious here. I would do TV commentary sometimes on the 11 o'clock news in Macon. Uh, I was I was on CNN at the time. Was I? No, I wasn't on CNN at the time. I was just running Red State at the time. I got elected in 2007. Didn't start CNN until 2009. Um so I was, I was doing TV commentaries as a conservative. I was running redstate.com at the time. I'd done some TV, some radio. And so I would go downtown at night to Fox 24 in Macon, uh, sometimes to WMAZ there, the big CBS affiliate in middle Georgia. And on my way downtown from my house, I would notice all of these Asian theme massage parlors that have no business ever during the day were just exploding at night, just overwhelmed with business. And I just thought, what is going on? Why are these places, there was one in particular where there would be a crowd of men standing outside at night. And at the time, you know, this was the, the beginning of blogs. Blogs were all the rage. I had my own little blog in addition to running Red State. And I put up a post on it. And a, a lady from Gwinnett County, Georgia, reached out to me. And she said she was had led a coalition against those places 
in Gwinnett County because they're fronts for human trafficking. And the way she found out is she had thrown out her back and decided she wanted to go get a massage. And there was one of these places down from her and she decided that old, older lady decided she'd go and they told her no women allowed, no women allowed. And she thought, well, this is weird. And was talking to friends about it, and they filled her in on what was going on, and she realized where they were and what they were. Now, John Ashcroft was George Bush's attorney general, famously covered the boobs of the statues or, or what have you. But uh, before John Ashcroft was attorney general, Janet Reno was attorney general. Janet Reno served for eight years as Bill Clinton's attorney general. And Janet Reno's Justice Department began a report on human trafficking that was released actually after Ashcroft became attorney general. So his name's on it, not her, but I always like to bring up Janet Reno because she actually deserves credit uh, for all of her faults as attorney general. She deserved credit for beginning this report. And one of the things the report showed is that within about 30 minutes, a 30 minute drive of a military installation in the Southeast United States, you will find a gathering of Asian themed massage parlors. You can almost draw a circle around a military installation, go out about what a 30-minute drive would be, and you will find Asian-themed massage parlors. And overwhelmingly, they tend to be fronts for prostitution. In fact, you should recall, while everyone is wringing their hands about anti-Asian hate in this country, the shooter in Atlanta, the anniversary of which was the other day, the shooter in Atlanta was going to Asian-themed massage parlors for sex and wound up uh, going, and he wanted to kill the people who worked there because he thought that they were feeding his sex addiction that he couldn't kick, and he thought the best way to do it was to gun the places up and, and kill everybody. He was insane. But a lot of these places are fronts for prostitution, if not human trafficking. Many of them appear to be human trafficking locations. There was a place down in Macon, uh, that really galvanized me to run for city council. This one place, they raided it. A lot of people were complaining about it. They raided it. They found rooms with mattresses everywhere. Mattresses all over the place. People have been sleeping on the floor at this place. And, you know, when I was on city council, we, we were very successful doing this, although uh, I'm noticing they're starting to come back in middle Georgia, driving through the area. They're, they're starting to come back in. One of the things we did, though, was instead of using the police, here's one of the things that the, they do. You should know this, and, and this was in the, the Justice Department report. They hire landlords who are politically connected. And if you hire landlords who are politically connected, the politically connected landlords tend to oppose regulation of the businesses that rent from them because they don't want to lose the rent. Sure enough, several of the places that we were suspicious of actually rented from members of city council. Thankfully, not enough. Uh, though I was only one of two Republicans on the council making had partisan. Uh, it's the only, was at the time, the only uh, city in Georgia with partisan races. I was one of two Republicans, but I was friends with most of the Democrats that helped them run for office and get elected. So what we did is we did regulation. You know, we went to all the legitimate massage parlors and said, well, what do you do? Well, they keep registries of clients. They Lights, bulbs work in every room. They're not sleeping on the premises, all that sort of stuff. So we passed those regulations and we made it because one of the big arguments from the landlords was, well, we don't need the police to get involved with this. This is a consensual crime. Well, is it really? 
And so we regulated. And so there, there could be no issue. We're not using law enforcement resources. We're using the business regulators. When they come to inspect for the business, why are your lights out in this room? Your lights can't be out. Why don't you have a register of, of your customers? Why don't you have records of your customers? Why are there mattresses on the floor? Why are there condoms in the business? These sorts of things. And almost to an entity, they disappeared. They've slowly started coming back as people no longer care. The left likes to say that human trafficking is a moral panic, that people get whipped up into outrage about this stuff, but it's not really true. Actually, uh, it is very true. In 2020, human trafficking continued. I'm, I'm reading now from Polaris Project. The situations of, of trafficking identified, they identified 10,583 situations where people were trafficked with 16,658 uh, individuals who were victims, 10,836 sex, 3,583 labor, 631 sex and labor combined, 1,634 other not specific every year. You know, uh, Chip Roy, the congressman from Texas was on the program a couple of months ago said they actually arrested people down in Texas who were crossing the border illegally working with Americans who were in the employ of the drug cartels running safe houses for human trafficking victims. And they found dozens of people who were being imported into the United States to be trafficked for sex and labor. Now, what does that mean? People who would come in and they would be used to sex slaves, prostitutes, escorts, uh, you name it, in some cases, employed by people who kept them as slaves for work and sex. You know, so um, Sean McDowell, who works at Biola University, ha- has some interesting research on boys and pornography. Do you know the average boy in third grade will encounter pornography? And the average American boy by seventh grade will regularly engage in looking at pornography? Did you know that? It blows my mind to think a kid in seventh grade is regularly encountering it. By 10th grade, most boys are sexually pleasuring themselves looking at pornography. Many of those people who are involved on the other side are there because they've been drugged, abused, dragged into it, held against their will, or or, uh, non-consensual. The ones who are consensual typically are from... Uh, abused relationships and and the like. Very few of them actually got in because that's what they wanted as a career. They were pushed into it, fell into it, or the like. Uh, Sean Sean uh, McDowell points out that there's uh, boys, regardless of race, regardless of income, regardless of family, two parent or single parent. Uh, the, the the demographic transcends the only group of boys who do not do it, have something in common. And again, it's regardless of race, regardless of income, regardless of two parent or single parent household. The boys who do not do it are the boys whose fathers take a firm moral line against it. The boys whose fathers explain to them that these are people who are oftentimes drugged or enslaved or have been abused and they do this and they think they're doing it uh, consensually and really they're not, uh, that it's abhorrent. Those boys don't dabble, don't look, don't get into it. Once you get it in your head, it's hard to get out of your head. And a lot of it is is involves human trafficking. There is an effort now by a lot of progressives, frankly, who consider themselves sex positive 
to say human trafficking is really overblown. It's not real. But again, in Florida, they've just arrested a number of people who were involved in human trafficking. In Texas, uh, an American working for a drug cartel was harboring something like 30 people bound for sex trafficking in the United States as sex slaves. It happens. It's real. It's a problem. We shouldn't overstate it, but there are a lot of people who want to understate it. And it's something that we should pay attention to as a country. And I don't know that we do really pay attention to it. Churches certainly do. You know, uh, Marty Kemp, the first lady of Georgia, it's, it's kind of her cause. She's been pushing the legislature in Georgia to be very aggressive with laws, working with law enforcement on this stuff. It, it's I probably ought to get her on someday to talk about this stuff. But it is amazing what goes on. And you know what? It used to be it was oftentimes – uh, people smuggled into this country, and there's still a lot of them. But you know what the number one um, source of human trafficking is now? Kidnapped American kids. Because while the border's open and porous, it's more tighter and closed than it used to be. And the result is that kidnapped American kids are the number one source of human trafficking in the United States now. And that is another reason we should be vigilant against it. Welcome back. It is Eric Erickson here. I hope you guys are all, you got your weekend plans and everything settled. Uh, after soccer, I am, I just want to sleep all weekend. You know, we finally started going back to church with my do- wife's doctor is cool with us going back to church now. Really happy about that. And so we are. Um, so I'll get sleep, I guess, on Saturday and be at church on Sunday. Um, I want to play this montage for you. I'm very proud of whoever did this. I don't know who did this. But I would tip my hat to him. I'm assuming it's Grabian, uh, which is where we get our, a lot of our audio from. But listen, you'll get the hint. I don't even need to introduce it to you. I'm going to work like the devil to bring gas prices down. I will do what needs to be done to reduce the price you pay at the pump. Even if we drilled as much as we could, uh, the price of oil is still set globally. This Keystone pipeline, it would take years for that to have an impact on prices. There's an impediment to production in the United States. And it's called the bankers on Wall Street. Oil prices and, and gas prices are famously something that is largely outside of the direct control of any political figure. The price of oil is very much dependent upon the global supply. And that's manipulated for price by countries that don't always uh, have the same values that we have. That is a consequence of, thus far, the refusal of, uh, of uh, Russia or uh, or the OPEC nations to uh, pump more oil. The gas prices, of course, are based upon a global oil market. That oil market is controlled by a cartel. That cartel is OPEC. Certainly, we all want to keep gasoline prices low, uh, but uh, the threat of the crisis, uh, the climate crisis, certainly can't wait any longer. The significant reason why prices are up is because of COVID affecting the supply chain. Inflation in prices and housing and in gas is because of deficit spending. That's Trump's fault. The invasion of Ukraine and the volatility of the oil market is no excuse for excessive price increases, profit padding, or any effort to exploit American consumers. The current spike in gas prices is largely the fault of Vladimir Putin. Putin's tax, that's, a, a, that's really Putin's gas hike. That's his gas hike. Are you guys just going to start blaming Putin for everything? Putin's price hikes at the pump. Putin's price hike here at home. Putin. You should be blaming Putin, if anybody, for this. And to not blame Putin, first of all, is denying reality. And second, frankly, I think is un-American. Democrats didn't cause this problem. 
Vladimir Putin did. We've seen the price of gas go up at least 75 cents since President Putin lined up troops on the border of Ukraine. And people are feeling it. They're feeling it. Do you ever think you'd be paying this much for a gallon of gas? It's always somebody else's fault, isn't it? It's all about well, always somebody else's fault. Uh, remember, you used to have presidents. They would say, like, the buck stops here. Not Joe Biden. Nope. Um, the buck's got to stop somewhere other than him, which is frustrating. Uh, but, I mean, this is the political age we're in. I think this is why uh, Volodymyr Zelensky has become such a uh, – has resonated with so many people. This is a guy who he didn't have the, a great record. He was uh, his popularity was declining to some degree. He was cracking down on the press in Ukraine. He had promised to clean up corruption, and in fact, people within his sphere of influence were corrupt. And he was an actor. He was an actor. He he ran on a reform and clean up corruption job, and then got into office and. The corruption did not get cleaned up. If anything, people around him decided they wanted to get corrupt too. But then the Russians invaded Ukraine. You put all aside the flaws of character. This is a man who rose to the challenge of his time. He's not looking to blame anyone else. Now, there are people who say, oh, he wants us to start World War III. No, he wants us to help defend his country. Of course, the man is under attack by Russia, the second largest army on planet Earth, second largest military on planet Earth. Of course, he wants us to help. I don't blame him. We don't have to. Our interests diverge. But I'm not going to attack him for wanting people to come help him. But there he is leading his country boldly and bravely putting his life on the line. And, man, it really it, it, it just stands out for me. Um, that level of leadership. It really does. It's 2022. Things are still crazy. Things haven't settled down. And now you got the Federal Reserve and interest rates. You got the economy. You got inflation. A lot of banks won't even return your phone call. Let's say you're a small business and you need a loan for $750,000 or higher. You see an opportunity where banks, they don't even want to see you. You want to buy a building. You want to build a building reach out to the Frost family at First Liberty Building and Loan. They've been helping small businesses become big businesses since the 1990s. They want to help you if they can. So spend 10 minutes with them. See if you're a good fit for them and they're a good fit for you. Their website is firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. Again, you need a loan, $750,000 or higher. You're a small business and you see an opportunity to grow. Share it with the Frost family and see if they can help you. FirstLibertyGA.com. That's FirstLibertyGA.com. First Liberty Building and Loan can help businesses nationwide become bigger businesses.